for those of you that don't know this, I ran a property management company for nearly 13 years. And after 13 years of running it successfully from ground up, I successfully exited from that company. Um, I ended up managing during the 2008 uh, wave of foreclosures, uh, which was my greatest and biggest growth moments. Um, I ended up being the source for uh, banks for all the lenders, and I was managing all the foreclosures. For those of you that remember and that were in the real estate market during the 2008 to about 2012 timeframe, you know that that was the the biggest moment for foreclosures. So I ended up, my company ended up perfecting an offering for the lenders uh, so that we could manage their foreclosed assets. The beauty with uh, that time frame for me was um, I managed these properties for the lenders for a long period of time. And because we did such a bang up job, the lenders ended up um, recommending us to the eventual buyers of these distressed properties. So we had continuity in management. So it was a great moment. Again, I started the business in 2006 in Manchester, New Hampshire, and I exited the business in uh, at the end of 20, uh, 2018. Uh, I sold the business. Um, I had, I, as I think back to... Uh, the days of starting that business, I had one goal and one focus in mind. One goal and one focus. I was not conflicted. And as I look back now, that one goal and that one purpose was the true hustle of an entrepreneur, which was to crank the flywheel. For those of you that are engineers, you will understand. Crank the flywheel means that I worked so hard. I mean, talk about hustle and grind. You know, entrepreneurs of today don't understand the value of hustle and grind. And when you hustle and grind, you crank that flywheel like this. And when you crank it and crank it, and then you eventually spend years doing it, when you take your hand or you take your arm or you take that crank off of the flywheel, the flywheel is in enough motion to keep cranking itself and creating sales for your business. So my one goal was to crank out sales and to offer, my base was to offer good quality property management. In other words, I was not conflicted with anything else. I was not associated with sales of properties, any form of brokerage. I was not involved in the purchasing. I was not involved in anything but pure property management. I lived and breathed property management. So that was my one goal, my one focus. And that's going to lead into the purpose of today's video um, one more thing I wanted to add was that as I was uh, building my property management company, I also developed, just inherently developed all these tools in my mind of the best practices, the mistakes that I made along the way, the best practices, what worked, 
uh, from the standpoint of giving good customer service to my clients, from the standpoint of making it a profitable entity for myself. I looked at all that, how to make it a value-added uh, business so that ultimately when it's time to sell the business, you have an, a, a, a business with some inherent value. I learned all these and I, and I uh, sort of mapped them in my mind. And so today what I do is I spend a good amount of time helping investors that want to create their own property management company so that they don't have to hand over the most valuable asset, which is their real estate assets. They don't have to hand that over to someone else to manage. They can internally manage that so that they have vertical integration. Not only are they making money from their real estate assets, they're making money from their property management company that is managing their assets. They also have ultimate influence and control over their own properties because they own the property management company. So that's what I do today. The purpose of this video is for those of you that are not in a position to build your own property management company or you're not at that stage or you have no interest in doing that uh, and you are a real estate investor and you're looking at hiring a property management company. The purpose of this video is to give you 10 critical ways to determine if that property management company is good and is effective. So again, 10 critical ways to determine a good property management company. Because let's be honest, folks. There's a lot of crappy management companies out there. There's a lot of people who string together a quick company. They're either uh, real estate agents, which, which I don't mean any disrespect to real estate agents, but they're a real estate agent who is focused on a bunch of different things and just says, hey, let me put a management company and do a half-baked job on managing these assets without really being focused because management needs and requires 100% focus. So with that, here are the top 10 critical ways to ensure that your property manager is good. I'm going to run through these really quick. As I sort of alluded to, a property manager should be focused on one thing and one thing only, and that should be property management, nothing else. If they're focused on multiple different business aspects, then they're not giving 100% focus to property management. And I will tell you, property management is a very busy business. It is not something that, that can be taken lightly. The management of your asset involves multiple different facets. A, they've got to manage your tenants right. They've got to manage your um, leasing aspect of it. They've got to keep the building occupied. They've got to manage the collections. They've got to manage the maintenance. They've got to manage the, um, the capital improvement or the capital projects. Any of the deferred maintenance things that need to be scheduled out, those need to be managed. They've got to manage the legal aspects of this. So this is not a business that you can do part-time. This is not a business that you can do conflicted with other things going on. So point number one is the PM, the property manager, should focus on one thing and one thing only. I want you to think of this word. I heard this. I can't take credit for this, but I heard this phrase on a podcast that I listened to, uh, and I don't, unfortunately, remember the name of the podcast, but the point of the acronym that I want to share with you is called QVAC, 
Q-V-A-C. Q for quality, V for value, A for authenticity, and C for consistency. Q-V-A-C, quality, value, authenticity, and consistency. I want you to make sure that the property manager that you are evaluating maintains or has Q-V-A-C on that one aspect, which is property management, nothing else. Number two, culture. You know, we have famously heard of Peter Drucker, uh, the management consultant from years ago, and, and he has sadly left us, but uh, Peter Drucker left us with this powerful uh, message, and that message is culture eats strategy for breakfast. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. The culture of the company is so important. I myself struggled with this at my property management company. My management company was called Total Solutions Property Management. And I struggled with this in the uh, later part of, the, uh, the, of owning the business. Um, I had hired a, a, a CEO to run the operations of the business. And the CEO did a fine job in running the operations of the business. And I had taken a step away from running the day-to-day -day operations, along with the fact that I was not physically in the same location as my business during those latter years. And what I noticed is very quickly there was a change of culture. You know, the culture that I had when I was running the business, uh, which was a very happy culture, which was a very open culture, which was a very together culture, suddenly became a culture of pointing the fingers, who can I blame? And the worst of all, there was a seepage and there was a creep of negativity within the office. And that just drove me insane. So I am near and dear to the statement of culture eats strategy for breakfast. Um, so one tip that I could give you is to make sure that you meet the property management team that's going to be ultimately managing your asset. And not only the, the salesperson or the CEO that you're potentially interviewing, try to meet the entire team. And if you have a moment with one or two team members, ask them two simple questions. Number one, how do you like working for this company? And number two, what would you change? What are the one or two or three things that you would change about the company? You will be amazed about how forthcoming people can be and about how true to the essence they can be about their feelings. And that is a good way for you to judge the health, well-being, and culture of that business. Number three is the company story. You know, my dad famously said to me, um, and he influenced me by saying this, is don't follow the money follow doing the right thing. Again, don't follow the money, follow doing the right thing. And then he further added to that, if you follow doing the right thing, eventually the money will follow. And he said, I guarantee you that eventually the money will follow. And through today, he has lived up to his word because I've always followed doing the right thing and the money has always, at the right time, the money has always followed. So um, make sure you understand the company's story. You know, oftentimes 
there is a backstory to why a company is formed. I eventually, or my, my backstory when I started my property management company is, I started it because I owned a, uh, a significant amount of real estate. I was an engineer that bought up a, uh, um, you know, I had a full-time career and I was buying up real estate assets, which is what I prescribe to many people. Have a job, keep your job, buy investment real estate as a path towards wealth. In fact, I have a book called Job Plus Real Estate Equals Wealth, and it prescribes and it is a guide to exactly that. How do you keep a job, invest in real estate as a path towards wealth? But I digress. I, um, I was buying up buildings, and the reason why I started my management companies, I interviewed several property management companies, and I was disappointed in the fact that none of them had a process-driven solution for me. You see, as an engineer, my mind works in cogs and wheels. It is very process-driven. And so when I met uh, pr prospective property management companies and they couldn't give me a process-driven solution for how they were going to take care of my assets, I felt super uncomfortable. So what did I do? I decided to start my own company. So that was my backstory. So my backstory is that everything that, you know, ultimately that I would design and hand over uh, or this, my service offering was very process driven. So make sure you understand what the backstory is because the backstory will give you a, an indication as to why this company was formed and what their ultimate values are. Uh, number four is trust. You know, I often speak at several industry events about the the um, the phenomena of trust and the establishment of trust and how to conduct business in a trustful manner. And that's a whole separate topic that we won't get into here. But feel free if you want to connect with me and learn more about how to conduct business in a trustful way or how to communicate through trust. Feel free to connect me on a separate level. But for the purposes of this, there are three levels of trust. The deepest and the most meaningful level of trust is level number three. And that level of trust comes with longevity in a relationship. So when you have had a long-standing relationship is when you're able to develop that level of trust. Think about a marriage. When, some, when, a, when a couple has been married for a number of years, there's an inherent trust and an inherent understanding between both members, assuming it is a good marriage. There's an inherent level of trust between those two, between husband and wife or uh, between two partners, that they are able to understand each other and they just trust each other's views and opinions. So very similarly, the longevity and trust is the deepest level of trust. How do you, if you are um, determining and evaluating a property management company, how at that stage would you attain that longevity in order to understand trust? Well, here's a tip because you've just met these folks. Here's a tip. Ask them for a reference of their longest standing client. Ask them for a reference of their longest standing client and ask permission to contact them. When you contact them, you have a series of questions for them, very similar to what we're going through here. What is the experience? Uh, what is your level of trust with them? What's your, what's your uh, biggest drawback? All the pertinent questions with their longest standing client. So that is trust. 
Number five through 10 are the meat and potatoes of a property management company. And I'm going to fly through them very quickly because they are all tied to this one phrase or one term called SOP. SOP stands for Standard Operating Procedures. This is the meat and potatoes of property management. <clears throat> Your property manager or an effective property manager should have a documented, a documented standing standard operating procedure for all of the following five facets of property management that is super critical. And they should understand these five facets of property management because property management is broken up into these five components and these five components need focus. When I had my property management company, Total Solutions, we had, f I had a, f I had a uh, 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 employee, I had a manager responsible for each and every one of those areas. So I knew there was ultimate focus on that area. So area number one, so item number five, which is uh, within the meat and potatoes, standard operating procedure for collections. Standard operating procedure for the collections of your rent. Is there a documented process on how to collect rents and how to deal with delinquencies and how to make sure, because that is the lifeblood of your business, make sure that the income is coming in. Number six, standard operating procedure for leasing. Again, the lifeblood of your business is making sure, or the lifeblood of your real estate asset is to make sure that the property is fully occupied. If it's fully occupied, that means that there is a cash flow stream coming in. How do you make sure it's occupied? You make sure it's occupied that by having a very documented process on leasing so that when an, an, a unit does become vacant or empty, ultimately there is a quick documented quick uh, procedure on how to get that unit turned right fixed up turned and remarketed and reshown and uh, and uh, the most qualified candidate put back into that unit so a leasing procedure the next is a standard operating procedure for maintenance maintenance can be broken up into two components routine maintenance that is your day-to-day -day repairs like a faucet a bathtub leak a door handle that's jammed the standard routine everyday repairs and then capital projects those are the larger longer-term projects that needs a keen eye so your property manager should be walking your property walking your property saying hey the roof on this property still is in good shape, but it's got about a five-year lifespan left. So in other words, in the next five years, we should start thinking about replacing this roof. Well, if we're identifying that that roof needs to be replaced in five years, we better start setting aside some money for that so that by the time we get to that stage, we have funded an account or we have funded a what's called a reserve account so we have those funds available to allocate towards that roof replacement so making sure that they understand or they have a documented process for routine and capital projects number eight is a standard operating procedure for communications this is the most important aspect of property management if you think about it a property manager is a facilitator of solutions their job is to stay in between the tenant 
and in between the owner and facilitate solutions. That is the true definition of what a property manager, manager does. How they do that is by effective communications. In fact, when I was a property manager and when, when I had a prospective client ask me, Francis, what is one of your strongest attributes in your business? My number one response was always, I am an effective communicator. And I am an effective communicator to the point that I will over-communicate and I am proud that I over-communicate because I am managing your asset and I want you, through me, to know everything that's going on in your property. So I am an over-communicator. To me, that was a strong point. So you want to make sure that their communications, how they communicate with you as the owner. So owner communications, that's you. The owner communications is top notch. What is that documented process? How long do they take to get back to you? When will they send you monthly statements? When are you notified about a vacancy? When are you notified about a prospective tenant going in? And then how good at the, are, are they at resident communications? That's called resident relations. In other words, how quick and responsive are they in communicating with the tenants? Ultimately, your tenants. Your tenants, how well are they communicating? If there's a maintenance issue, how quickly are they reporting that back to the, uh, or reporting that to the maintenance text to get those uh, corrected? So uh, standard operating procedure for communications. Standard oper number nine, standard operating procedure for accounting. How quickly are your vendors getting paid? How quickly are, th are you getting paid at the end of the month when they close the financials? Are you getting paid a week later, a month later? Is there enough of a lead time from when you get paid uh, for you to pay your lender, if you have a mortgage on the property, for you to pay your lender and for you to use for your own personal needs? So how quickly are you getting paid? So standard operating procedure for accounting and do they have a number 10? And finally, number 10, do they have a standard uh, operating procedure for legal and housing compliance? There are many legal aspects to owning a real estate. You have to be in compliance with housing code, with fair housing uh, practices, with your local municipality and, and whatever region you're in, you have to be in compliance. There's lead laws, there's um, housing code, there's a COC, Certificate of Compliance requirements within the municipality that you're living in. How effective are they? And what is their relationship with the local city code enforcement officials? That is another tip, is pick up the phone and call the local code official, uh, the housing department, and ask them uh, their experience on working with this prospective property management company. So with that, I hope this video was of value. Feel free to connect with me. As I said, I lived and breathed property management for 15, or close to 15 years, 13 years. I now manage my own assets after I sold my, uh, my property management company. So I'm still in the field because I manage my own real estate assets. I am working with several investors that are looking to build out their own property management solution. And it is a fun ride. Property management is a fun ride. I hope you enjoyed this. Take care.